Lay 
You may be seated. Well, today, on behalf of Alice and her family, I want to thank you so much for being here today. And Lord, I know that we come today with sad hearts. I know that we come today just broken hearted. But Lord, I praise you that even in the midst of that, Lord God, we can come with hope because we know, we know, Lord God, that Alice trusted by faith in you, Jesus. And as a result of that, she is in your presence and will be there forever. No longer sick, no longer in pain, no longer needing our prayers. I thank you, God, for that. But I pray, God, for us today that you'd be glorified as we worship and that you would minister to us, Holy Spirit, in a way that only you can. Do this in us today in your glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. Praise God together. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship Your
time has come still my soul will sing your praise sharing with Brian earlier um, I don't get nervous most Sundays funerals for special people make me nervous um, I was extremely honored uh, when the family asked me if I could speak today and um, I don't know that there is any funeral I've ever done that I have wrestled more with what I was going to say. Um, at 9 o'clock this morning, I had no idea what I was going to say because Alice was one of the most special people I have ever known. And um, so my prayer is um, that today that God will be glorified Alice will be honored, and her family will be comforted. As I was thinking about a passage for Alice, where, where I ended up was 2 Timothy chapter 4. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me in the future the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Because when I think of Alice, I think of someone that was poured out. Someone that the Holy Spirit certainly um, filled her. In fact, when I was thinking of ways to describe Alice, the first one that I came up with was spirit-filled. 
She had an incredible presence, I always felt like, of God being with her. You just knew that she spent time with God. You just knew that she had been in his presence. She just, the way people responded to her. Um, I, I, I've never, I've met very few people like Alice. I told somebody a few weeks ago, I said, there's probably going to be 100 people at the funeral that say Alice is their best friend. She can make you feel that close, that quick. And a lot of that was just her presence to be around. The last time I saw Alice, um, was about a month ago, and I was able to drive down with a member of our church, and we spent some time with her, and, and didn't know what to expect. And um, she was just Alice. A little bit weaker, didn't talk with quite the enthusiasm she normally had, but just her personality, who she was, was just exactly the same. And I, and I found her just really easy to talk to. And sometimes that could be dangerous because um, I'm a pastor and I'm a golfer. And that means complaining comes very naturally to me. And I would go in and we would start to have a staff meeting and I would be convinced I'm going to be positive today and I'm going to be upbeat. And it was so easy to vent to Alice that it never ended that way. She was always positive. She was always encouraging. She was always uplifting. Our sound guy uh, at our church that operates the sound force, um, she used to, he could be a little crusty sometimes. And um, so she gave him a doll when she left our church of Eeyore. And um, not to be outdone, because he was a little bit older than me, I still have on my desk my Eeyore Jr. stuffed animal. Um, she is, without a doubt, and I, and I always hate saying something like this because people might get offended, but I just want to tell you, she is my favorite worship leader I have ever been in a worship service with. I've been around, I've heard a lot of great worship leaders, but for the song she chose when she was at our church, um, the way she presented those songs, I used to tell Randy White, our association, um, the director of our association, I used to say, look, if you have something regional, man, you ought to get Alice to lead it, because she's just, and it's because of the presence, it wasn't the performance, it was the presence of God that she could convey. And this should be spirit-filled. I always think of Alice as being spirit-led. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story of how she came to Lebanon. Um, we were without a music minister, and um, we, we knew about Alice, and we, so we had asked to talk to her. We wanted to see if she'd be interested in coming uh, to Lebanon. She had left Southview at that time, and so we, we, we talked to her, and she basically was not interested at all. She gave us some advice. It was a great meeting. And I remember, I believe it was a Monday morning, it was Monday morning or Tuesday morning, I'm sitting in my office, and we had hired a, a student at Campbell to lead our music. And um, he had called me early that morning and said, I, I want to drive down tonight and talk to you in person. And I'm like, well, that's not good. Know what that conversation is going to be. And about an hour or two later, I get a call from Alice. And she's like, hey, how are things going? Well, I don't know anything official yet. So I said, well, he's doing fine. He's only been here a couple of weeks, but hopefully he's starting to get adjusted and settled in. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you're going to hear from me tomorrow. And she did. 
Alice, you know when you called me yesterday? He's resigned since then. And so she called, asked to go to the personnel committee, and basically what she told us was, in a nutshell, was, I need to come and help y'all. She said, God's been beating me up for months because I didn't help you before. You tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it because I need to sleep. And, and, and so that's what I think of with Alice. She just, she's spirit-led in everything that she did, whether it was uh, teaching music, singing, whatever it was. She was just always spirit-led. And the last word I thought it was spirit-driven. She, she always had a heart to serve. Again, it goes back to just so many people consider her a close friend because she had that ministerial heart, that heart that wanted to help people, that made you feel at ease and relax. And again, part of that's her personality, but that's a gift. Uh, that's a gift that God gave her and that she used tremendously and often. She showed it and how she dealt with people at the church. We were trying to transition some of our music from pretty much just piano and organ to do some more uh, contemporary music. And Alice was always patient. Now, part of what helped us was, you know, when she would do something different and hadn't done, maybe done it that way the, historically, it's just Alice. And nobody can get mad at Alice. And it made that transition a whole lot easier. But again, as she led, it was always driven by God and what he wanted her to do. But where I also saw it, when I had a chance to talk to her and spend time with her, was in how much she loved her family. David and the girls, just how much she cared about them, um, how involved she was in their life. And again, just she wanted to be a great wife, a great mother, and driven by the glory of God when she did that. Her priorities seemed to always be in order. I stopped earlier when I read verse 8. If you're familiar with that passage, you know I stopped a little bit early. So I'm going to go back and look at it again. I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Again, I think Alice is one that's just poured her life out. Time for the departure is close, fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. There's reserved for me the future, in the future, the crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will give to me on that day. Here's how that verse ends. And not only to me, but to those, to all those who have loved his appearing. We may not have the same gift as Alice. Goodness knows there's not a musical bone in my body. But we can all be spirit-filled when we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Where we come to that point that we believe in him, that he died on the cross, that God raised him from the dead. That belief will drive us to confess our sins. And that faith that comes to confess our sins will also lead us to surrender our life. So that the Holy Spirit of Christ will be in us. We'll be spirit-filled. We'll be spirit-led in the decisions that we make and how we help people. We'll be spirit-driven. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd encourage you to, as we worship today, 
to allow God to speak to you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, be spirit-filled, spirit-driven, and spirit-led in all that you do. Let us all be poured out the way we got to see Alice Cashwell live. We got your heads with me. Dear Lord, I come before you today to praise you as God. I thank you so much for Alice, the impact she had on our church, the impact she had on me, the impact she's had on so many others. Lord, we thank you for her life, the chance to be here today. Just ask, Lord, you will help us to continue to worship you and love you. And Lord, just help us be poured out as we think about how Alice lived. It's in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. I'm very honored to be here with you today, but I also want to take just a few moments to acknowledge the people who love her and are sitting three hours away today in an auditorium at East Carteret High School. Alice was loved, so the live stream of this service means a lot to them that they're able to join in this service, but it is good to be in the house of the Lord today with you all. As a former teacher and current principal, I have given out many assignments during the course of my career. My husband, who's sitting over there, and son, would argue that I continue to do a great job of doing that at home as well. However, on March 15th, I received an email from Alice. Included in it was the assignment that was the most difficult and yet most treasured one that I have ever received. She asked if I would be willing to speak at her service when the time came. So here I stand today as principal of Beaufort Elementary School, friend of Alice and sister in Christ, as I attempt to provide you with just a snapshot of Alice's impact since moving to the Crystal Coast back in 2018. I know that Carteret County Public School Superintendent Rob Jackson who traveled to be here with us today, would join me in saying that Carteret County Schools is forever changed because of the commitment and dedication of Alice Cashwell. In keeping with the lighthouse theme, our school district hashtag is brighter together. And truly, our school system is a brighter place because of the light that was projected by Alice. So let me tell you a little bit more about how this story began. Two Cumberland County girls, one born in 1970, and that was Alice, and the other, me, and I joked her about it, that I was the younger one, born in 1971. So not much difference. But we were living parallel lives, not knowing each other, right here in Cumberland County. As our relationship grew, we realized how many friends and connections we have in common. It was truly amazing. Ironically, she even knew Mike McGirt, who has also gone on to be with the Lord, but went and served right here in this very church and was best friend to my husband while growing up and was even a groomsman in our wedding. 
the world really is a small place. I have no doubt that Alice and I were in the same room at the same time on more than one occasion during our years in Cumberland County. But for whatever reason, it was not in God's plan for us to meet, at least not yet. During the time that Alice and I knew each other, we shared many verses and passages of scripture with each other and also during our Monday morning devotion gatherings at Beaufort Elementary School, as she called our little school by the sea. One that stands out is from the book of Esther. At our end of year staff dinner in May 2021, Alice shared the words from Esther 414, which tell us that we were born for a time such as this. And as the journey has revealed itself during the time we knew each other, I have no doubt that it was in God's plan for us to, for us to cross paths and to intertwine our lives during this very chapter of our lives. He had spent all those years while we both lived and worked in those parallel worlds in Cumberland County, preparing us for the lives that we would build and impact in the new place that we came to call home. We were prepared for a time such as this. So let me digress to August 2018 in Carteret County. As the newly hired principal of Beaufort Elementary School, a tap on the shoulder at a school system administrative retreat, letting me know my music teacher had resigned, changed the course of my life in ways that I couldn't even imagine at the time. And there I sat as a new principal in the district only weeks away from the start of the school year, and now in the urgent state of needing to find a music teacher and fast. Anyone in the school business can tell you that finding really good teachers is hard. Really good teachers are even hard to find, harder to find in August, and really good teachers with a specialty in the arts are even more rare. A review of just a few interested candidates left a lot to be desired. But when the director of arts for our school system, Craig Everett, handed me a resume that referenced Temple Baptist Church, Fayetteville, North Carolina, it caught my eye. You see, I grew up in Temple Baptist Church. My grandparents were charter members there, and my mother, who's here with us today, still remains part of that church family. Unbeknownst to me, after I had moved away to New Bern years ago and left Temple Baptist Church, Alice Cashwell had worked there as a music instructor. So that resume just spoke to me. There was just too much irony with that Fayetteville connection. So I made a call to my soon-to-be friend and colleague, Alice Cashwell. I caught her in the car, and they were on their way to Asheville for a family trip. I could just hear her going, shh, everybody, shh. So, she, like, I could just picture her, like, pointing. That's her, that's her. So um, we chatted, and we laughed, and we talked about the small world. And then we worked out a time for him, her to come to the school for an interview. There was an immediate connection. She instantly felt like someone 
I had known forever. And the rest of the story is history. Who couldn't love Alice? Although not licensed to be a music teacher in North Carolina at that time, she came in as a lateral entry teacher, who couldn't love her? She stood head and shoulders above any candidates. And so in August 2018, our friendship and her ministry and service at our little school by the sea began. Anyone who knows and loves Alice knows the energy and enthusiasm with which she approached life. She immediately began making connections with students and staff as our school year started in August 2018. And she created a classroom that would envy even the most experienced of educators. You see, Alice never did things halfway. And I'm sure everyone out here who knows her well can nod their head and say that. When she did it, she did it right. She jumped right in and God started using her in our school. And her contributions went so far beyond just music instruction. Alice had a gift of making connections, of making people feel valued, and of finding ways to let others see Jesus through her. In a perfect world, I would tell you that all of our students at Beaufort Elementary School are perfect and come from these idyllic storybook homes, but I can't. Instead, I can tell you that they were perfectly created by God and met by Alice no matter where they were in their little lives. Do you remember the story of the Samaritan or the tax collector or the woman at the well? Jesus loved them no matter what. In some cases, he even washed the feet of the people who were considered to be the dirtiest. Their symbolic dirtiness made him reach out and love them even more. And Alice did this for all people, especially our students who needed to see the love of Jesus the most. She loved them no matter what. One recent comment from a parent on our school's social media stated that Mrs. Cashwell was nothing short of amazing, and that was in all caps. She was kind, caring, and took the time to build relationships with her students. She noticed things that others seemed to ignore or maybe overlook. She will be missed. This type of feedback from parents of our students is not isolated and sometimes even comes from people from whom you would least expect it. That tells you the impact and the influence that Alice had during her time at our school. You see, Alice had a heart that ached for our unlovables and a heart that offered hope to them, just like God has commanded us to do. In 1 John 4, 7 through 11, we are told, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son 
as an atoning sacrifice for our friends. And friends, here comes the key part. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And Alice did. Alice was so much more than just a music teacher. I would say that she was a missionary right there in our little school. And I said, and, and here, like to my Southern Baptist friends at times, I wondered if we needed to set up a visual to support collections for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering because we had a lot of home missions going on in our school. Her impact during her few years of service in Carteret County will have ripple effects that will last for generations. She made a difference. What a gift to know that God led her to a place and to a career that she hadn't even planned for. And yet she allowed him to use her. And boy, did he ever. She has left an imprint on our hearts that can't be denied. During a recent staff meeting, which was very fittingly held in Alice's music classroom, I shared the prognosis for Alice and the plans for how we would address the grief and loss that would be felt in our school in the near future. I closed the meeting by sharing that Alice was ready to go. It was we and our selfishness who weren't ready for her to go. I shared with them that Alice knew where she was going. She was at peace with that and that we all had the opportunity to join her one day as members of the family of God. We had a prayer meeting right there, just as we had during so many moments in our school of which Alice had been a part. During my last visit with her, I told Alice how she had impacted so many through her strong faith and faithfulness, even during these challenging times. In sweet and humble Alice fashion, she stated that if God had just pricked the heart of one person during her battle with cancer, then it would have been worth it. I have no doubt that the hearts of many were pricked during this journey. And there have been seeds planted that will continue to grow for years to come. However, as I wrap up, I challenge each of us, just as I challenged my staff at that recent meeting, to reflect on Alice's life and the words we would use to describe her. When given this opportunity, our staff readily responded with a list of adjectives that would make any mama proud. But then I challenged them to ask the really hard questions. What would others say about me? What would others say about me? That one really makes you think. Can we so readily come up with a list of adjectives about ourselves that would make any mama proud? Better yet, can we so readily come up with a list of adjectives that would make Jesus proud? As we move forward, let us all be challenged to live like Alice and to let his light shine through us so that others can see the light of Jesus. So in closing, 
Remember Esther 4.14 and know that God has prepared each of us for a time such as this. He's equipped us with all we need. So now what are we going to do with it? Live like Alice. Love like Alice. Let our words and our actions reflect the love of Jesus. And always, no matter what, take time to eat the cake.
God had told me that was going to be coming, but I still wasn't quite prepared for that. For those of you that don't know, my name's Brian. I'm one of the, I served as a pastor here for 15 years. I was thinking about uh, what I would share with you today. On, in November of 2002, my family and I came. I was 30 years old. I had a three-month-old son and um, sort of, this was my second ministry. And the church had been through, South had been through a challenging season, especially related to the worship ministries. And so when I came, uh, basically our Sunday morning experience would be um, a gentleman who had a southern gospel background who was leading the choir and leading our singing. And we were singing to uh, CD tracks and we had uh, a lady named Shirley. Miss Shirley would sit on the platform and she had these little transparencies that she would move on and off of, a little old overhead projector. And that's, that was our Sunday morning experience and that was what we had on Sundays for a season. And so you can imagine that we were hoping and praying there might be something a little bit different than that one day. And uh, we were introduced, though, somewhere along the way, we got introduced to Alice, and Alice agreed to come and to be uh, our pianist originally, and she uh, served well, but it became clear very quickly that we needed her to do more than simply play the piano. We needed her to be leading our worship ministries, and she started part-time and then eventually came on full-time, and uh, we, she and I got to serve together to, over two different stints. She was here full-time, and then as I think the girls' lives got busier and work for David got busier and she was torn with a lot of things going on. She took a, a break and then she came back part-time and she and Kelly led our worship ministries for a season and led us very well. But when you serve that long, you end up in a lot of meetings together and you get to see the best of each other and you get to see the worst of each other. And I can tell you, though, that, um, that I grew to love her. My wife would tell you, I loved Alice like a sister. And I loved serving with her. She was talented. She was a skilled worship leader, not just a singer and not a performer, but a worship leader. Um, but bigger than her talent or even her voice or her talent in playing an instrument was her heart. And she did have that ability, no matter who you were, in a few minutes' time to make you feel like she was your best friend. She was a dreamer, a person of big vision. Uh, she always was talking about how her, I felt like if, if her life, she said her life felt like a cartoon, and I think that if it was, it would have been one of those that always had a, a trail of dust behind her because it felt like she was always in a hurry. There was always a lot going on. There was never enough time. She was always, always busy. But she loved and supported David and their business and always appreciated David. I knew that Alice was able to do what she did and impact a lot of us because behind the scenes and a man who didn't need to or even want to be out front that David loved and supported her well. It was patient and we appreciated you, David, for that and do still today. And she, of course, loved her girls and celebrated every achievement and every victory that the two of you had. She was always proud of the two of you. And um, so, when, so when I received a, a text back in September, and she shared on that day that uh, she'd only shared with a couple of people at the time, but she was just asking for prayer, that she'd gone in with uh, these gallbladder issues, she thought, and then had to scan and discover things that she had not expected and I was going to have to be wrestling with what they would do about the cancer. It, I, was, I was shocked, like many of you were as that word began to spread and so I began we texted and I shared prayers with her and would send her a verse of scripture on occasion and back in March I told my wife I said I wish I was in North Carolina because if I was I would love to I'd love to go see Alice one more time and I now live in Chattanooga Tennessee and, and so I knew there was no way I was going to get back and I said well, I can call her it's like I had a, a dumb moment like well I, there, you know there is this technology called a phone I can make that happen and so I, I text her and I didn't know at that point this is in March so I didn't know at that point how physically how she felt, how um, she would feel about chatting, how strong she was to be able to do that. I didn't want to take away time from family because I 
felt like it was a unique season that, you know, she had weeks remaining perhaps. And so I texted her and asked if she felt like either FaceTiming or doing a phone call. And she said she wasn't team iPhone, which broke my heart about her. That may be the only negative I could say about Alice today. But she said, I can do a call. And so I called her, and to be honest, I, I wanted to tell her because I didn't want to, I knew the regret I'd had with other people in my life, that there would be a day like today, and I would tell you how I felt about her, but I would not have told her. And I wanted to call, and I told her, and I, for the first 15 minutes on that phone call, I blubbered like an idiot. And I said, I just wanted you to know that I love you, and what a privilege it was to serve Jesus with you, and the impact you've had on my life, and on my family, and on the kingdom of God, and uh, how much I appreciate you as a person, how I love you like a sister, um, how thankful I am that our paths crossed. And uh, once I got through blubbering like an idiot and all those things, and we spent the next hour talking and laughing and crying and remembering and reminiscing about uh, ministry life together and catching up on how the girls were doing and uh, finding out how David was doing, and we talked about this day and what she might want it to look like, and uh, she shared how she had been praying and she believed that God could heal her and she had believed that he would heal her but that if he didn't this side of heaven she was okay with that because she was prepared as well that there were certain things she would miss there were certain regrets that she would have of not being able to see certain things with the girls as they would grow up and to things with David as they would grow old together but that she knew that she was ready and so we stayed in touch and um and so Sunday, of course, as a pastor, is Easter. It's our Super Bowl Sunday of the year. It's a big deal. It's a big celebration. And that was sort of tempered uh, Sunday when I read the news that she had passed. But I thought, how fitting that on the day that we celebrate our Savior's defeat of death, that Alice would pass. That on the very day that we as the people of God across the world set aside a moment to remember that that we were dead in our sins, we were hopeless, we could not get close to God, we were made for a relationship with God, but we couldn't get anywhere close to him on our own, but that God in his love sent his one and only son who would live a perfect life, who would die on the cross in our place, who would rise and conquer death, who is alive and will be forever, and that that Savior, that, that Lord is the one that Alice had trusted and loved, and because of that good news... That as sad as I was for David and Nicole and Haven and you as family and us as friends, I could rejoice that my friend, my sister in Christ, was with Jesus. The Apostle Paul, when he described the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, talks about how Christ died, was buried, was raised, how he was seen by hundreds of individuals. He goes on to say that if Christ had not been raised, our faith is worthless. We are still in our sins. If this life is all that we've got, then we are a people to be pitied and we have no hope. But it goes on to say, but now Christ has been raised from the dead and he is the first fruits of those who are asleep. In other words, he's just a down payment. He is the first deposit of many more who will come after him who know and trust and belong to him. He goes on to say, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so our confidence today that Alice is well, that Alice is whole, that Alice is more alive than ever, which is a whole lot of life if you knew Alice Marie Cashwell. But the confidence we have that she's more alive than ever is not rooted in her being a good person or a good wife or a good mother or a good teacher or a moral woman or a, a, a kind person. And she was all of those things. But our ultimate hope and our knowledge, our confidence that she is well, 
is that she knew and trusted Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. That because he's conquered death, then death has no ultimate hold on her either. And so Sunday, the one that Alice has led many of us, hundreds of us, in worshiping him over many years, who she, through music and through songs and through her life, pointed us to good news on Sunday, that good news became a strong reality for her as we believe, based on the word of God, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That when she drew her last breath here on Sunday, she drew her next in the presence of Jesus. I texted Alice a few days before Easter and I told her, that, and I shared this with David as well, that as I was studying for Easter Sunday, that the Easter story meant more to me this year than perhaps it had in a long time because the power of Christ over death and for people that I love like her, that I knew loved Jesus, that today, and that's that very, the Easter and the gospel, that good news is the reason why today, instead of being a day of, of it's a day of mourning and grief from our side, but it's not tragic. It is a day of celebration because of the victory that Alice had in Christ. And so as I was praying about and thinking about what I would share with you today, there was a specific verse that came to mind, and I, 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 don't, I don't say this lightly, but I, I have all confidence that God intended me to say, share this with you, specifically David and Haven and Nicole, and we'll let everybody else listen in, but there's something that God put on my heart to share it with you, because I knew there'd be a lot of things said about Alice, and there's a lot that we could say, but the Spirit prompted me to speak to you about how do you deal with this grief and this sorrow in this season, in the days, in the months, and the years ahead. And I've never lost a wife. My wife is here. I've never been to that experience, and so I don't pretend to even know, David, what that feels like for you. I have lost my dad. And a few years ago, I lost my dad to cancer, and someone told me at that time, they said, Brian, um, that loss is one that you will never get over. It's one you'll learn to deal with, and that's proven to be true. This is not a loss that three of you will ever get over, but it is one that you'll learn to adapt to. It is one that by the grace of God, you'll learn to move forward with. And my prayer is that you three and the others of you, again, as you're listening in, but specifically for you three, that you would cling to these words from God through the Apostle Peter, and here's what he writes, 1 Peter 5. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then he says this, casting all your anxiety or care on him because he cares for you. Peter's writing to believers who are persecuted for their faith. They have been scattered. They have been forced to leave their homes. Their future is uncertain. Many of them certainly have lost loved ones. Many of them are experiencing grief and the changes of life, and they don't know what the years ahead are going to hold, which my guess is that those are very similar feelings to what you're wrestling through today. And Peter says to them, cast your anxiety or cares. That word means to, literally to tear the mind. It talks about those things in our lives that, that tear our thoughts in lots of different directions. The kinds of things that make it difficult to sleep or to rest or to focus or to enjoy the blessings of life. The kind of things that can leave us feeling paralyzed and overwhelmed and certainly grief and pain and loss like this can do all of those things. And in the midst of those moments, our temptation is to feel like we need to fix something, we need to do something. But the invitation of God is, in humility, to cast those anxieties on Jesus. And that word literally means to throw something like throwing a, a blanket over an animal that you're going to ride on. It's, it's the idea of, of in that moment where I feel overwhelmed by grief and loss and pain, and, and those days will come, and there will be moments when it will surprise you when it hits you in the months and the years ahead. But when it does, in that moment, the invitation of God is instead of feeling like you have to carry that weight on your own shoulders, is to throw it over onto the shoulders of Christ. 
I, I don't know, David, my guess is that you're like me, I think a typical man. Um, to me, whenever Buffy would bring home groceries or whenever I go get groceries and I'm bringing the bags in, it's like a, I, it turns into an Olympic sport for me. Like I want to see how, many, how few trips I can make out to the car. And so, you know, you load up your arms, it feels like it's going to cut off the circulation. And so, but you're, you know, you're going to make your way in. And then what do you do? You got you to lift, you got to hoist that load up onto the counter. That's the picture of the word there. It's the idea of casting, it's the idea of this weight, this burdensome something I feel in grief and pain and loss. And I can either carry it or I can cast it, but I can't do both. You're either going to carry that burden and that pain on your own or you're going to cast it on the Lord. And the invitation is to cast it on him and the confidence that we can have that in doing so that he will meet us there and meet us with whatever we need to walk through that is this. He says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Our God is not indifferent, nor cold, nor passive. He is close, he is caring, he is personal. And the God of the Bible, the same God who gave his son for us, is the one who says, whatever you're facing, whatever it is that's tearing your mind in a thousand directions, whatever the weight that you're carrying that feels way too heavy for your shoulders, you can throw it over onto my shoulders because I'm willing to carry it and I can carry it. And so in difficult days and moments that will catch you by surprise, when grief and missing your mom and your wife hit hard, when you feel overwhelmed by pain and sorrow, my prayer for you and what I would beg you to do today is not to try to carry it in your own strength, but is to acknowledge that there's a good God who says, hey, you can throw those things over onto me and I will carry them for you if you'll let me. You're surrounded by people today who care about you, who love Alice. Certainly let them help you, but more than anything or anyone else, my prayer is that you'll lean on Jesus. I love your wife. I love your mom. I love you guys. I'm praying for you, and I commit to join with these as we'll be praying for you in these days ahead. Let me pray for you now. Jesus, we are thankful for the gospel and for the good news that we just celebrated last Sunday for us as believers that we set aside a moment to declare the risen Savior, that Jesus on our behalf took the worst that death, hell, the grave, and sin could throw at him and defeated it all through, Jesus, your glorious resurrection that the fathers raised you from the dead and that for those of us who would place our faith in you, for those of us who would live and surrender to you, for those who would give our lives to you, that we too have victory over death so that this life is not the end. And God, thank you that not only have you provided for Alice, but God, that you provided for David and Haven and Nicole and for each of us in this room that the invitation from our good God is that rather than trying to carry the weight and the burden and the load alone, that we can cast them on you because you care for us. I pray that today and in the days ahead, that when David and Nicole and Haven need it most, Lord, that they would sense your presence, that they would know your heart, that even when their emotions and feelings may tell them otherwise, that they would stand on the truth of your word that says that you care for them and that they will cast their cares upon you and find in you, in Christ, one whose shoulders are more than capable of carrying the load for them. Thank you that we're not alone. Lord, let us sense your presence as we continue to worship now. Amen. Would you stand and let us sing?
Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
Hi, everyone. Um, for those who don't know me or maybe you haven't seen me since I was real little going to church here, <laughs> my name is Haven Cashwell, and this is my sister, Nicole, and my dad, David. Um, I find it very appropriate today that we're gathering here at Southview Baptist. Um, this is the church that my sister and I grew up in, and on this very platform is where we were able to watch my mom do what she loved by leading worship. In the moment, I never truly recognized um, how special it was seeing her here every Sunday. But this week has made me treasure all of those memories that I have of her singing and witnessing her spread her love through her musical talents. She really knew how to belt it out on Sunday mornings, and if you were here, you knew that too. <laughs> um, growing up, we had this sign in our dining room in our house. Um, it said Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That verse has been repeating in my head over and over throughout this week. You see, the Lord knew all along that this was a part of our family's plan from the very beginning. That's why my mom ended up marrying my dad. Um, they both have been strong together, but during their marriage, they became strong as individuals as well, which prepared my dad for a moment like this to remain strong for my sister and I. Since this was always a part of our family's plan, that is why my mom instilled so many life lessons in both my sister um, and I from a young age. We didn't realize it at the time, but she was raising us to be strong for this moment in time, and for that, I'm so thankful. Even though this is a challenging time for the three of us, um, we all have the strength to get through it, and I firmly believe that's because of my mom. So today I'm mainly here to talk because as a family, we would just like to say thank you. Um, these past eight months have been very challenging as we watched my mom face one of her toughest battles, but we cannot express how much we appreciated each phone call text, card, monetary donation, and especially prayer. It meant the world and we felt like we had the largest blanket of support wrapped around our entire family. Um, we love each and every one of you and we are so thankful. So quickly, before I finish, I have a little story about my mom. Um, whenever my sister or myself, or sometimes even my dad, <laughs> were angry, or sad or just not in a good frame of mind, she would always remind us to have a happy heart. She even said that phrase so much, she started using it in her Beaufort Elementary School classroom when she uh, began teaching again. So today, I encourage each and every one of you to have a happy heart. I know today can be sad, but also it's a time to celebrate. My mom is no longer suffering, and she has met her Lord and Savior. I don't know what could be more happier than that. One of our good friends told me on Sunday, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And once again, I must say, what could be happier than that? So today, I leave you with wise words from Alice Cashwell herself. <laughs> Always remember to have a happy heart, and be sure to eat the cake, too. Um, we love you all, and thank you.
When Alice shared her plans of the service with me, she asked, do you want to read it? And I said, sure, I'd love to see who all was speaking, the order of the songs. I looked it over, and I said, wait a minute, something's missing. She goes, what? I said, I'm not on there to speak. And she looked at me and said, you literally cannot even hold it together at my birthday party, and you want to speak at the service? And I said, yeah, I can do this. She looked at me as if y'all said those looks you've had before and said, if you embarrass me while I'm sitting next to Jesus. <laughs> so guys on the front row, if I start breaking down, I'm sorry. <laughs> Over the last eight months of this journey, I've learned a lot. And most of it through Alice. I got to spend the best time of my last eight months with my girls and her. Invaluable, invaluable times. When we first found out, I learned it was okay to be angry. I learned it was okay to be angry. I learned to come to hate the term quality of life with a passion. But I accepted it and we moved forward. I learned it's okay to shout out and question why. As I did many times when I left on Sunday to come back to work during the week, just anticipation to get back. Just be careful what you do. You might get some strange looks going down Highway 70, but it's okay. It's not about that. Learn to cry. Learn to cry. It's okay. It's okay to cry. I learned that holding hands and not even saying a word is okay, as long as you're right there. And also, the most valuable thing, we learned to laugh and joke throughout this whole thing. We laughed on the boat, we laughed on the water, we laughed on the front porch, we laughed in the living room, and we even laughed and joked on the last days when she was in the hospital bed beside our bed. It's okay. When I first started this journey, a good friend of mine told me, he said, if you put yourself on an island, you will never survive. And from that day that we found out, as you all well know, Alice never did. Everything was out there. She was forthcoming. We had people, she had people message her and saying we're going through this and we've been hiding it. There was a question to be asked. She answered it. If somebody wanted to talk, she answered it. If somebody wanted to talk to me, I felt freely talking to them. Because if you put yourself on that island in a situation like this, you'll never survive. And thank you, as Haven said, for everybody that helped us through this. Because if not, we would have never got off that island. The saying, if there's anything we can do, just let me know. I've learned that those are not idle words. They're just not a cliche to say to somebody. It's just not something you say in passing. If you truly mean it in your heart, and that person asks for it, then it's worth every word. And don't be afraid to ask. Because if you don't ask that question or ask help from somebody that gives you that phrase, then you're going to be on your island. And the most important thing I learned is no matter what kind of plans we made, we had it all drawn out. She left me here and went down to have her dream working at the school, you know, living, living on the coast. Left me here in Pebble which is fine, I agreed to it. Those times and our plans 
Only one person knows how they're going to turn out. And if you think that you have all the time in the world to get this done or get that done, just understand you might not. That's why you got to eat the cake. Eat the cake. Um, as Haven said, we do thank y'all for everything. I don't want to repeat all the thank yous, but you do not know how much it has meant to my girls and to my family. And that time I was able to spend that last four weeks with her, walking away from everything, I learned that it'll be here when I get back. So thank y'all so much for attending. Live stream people, thank you for being there. Thank y'all guys for speaking. Thank the church. So we look forward to seeing you in a little while. So we, we had two main goals here today. Uh, goal one was to remember Alice and remember her well, share stories and memories and laugh and cry, and we've done all that well. And the second was that we would spend time worshiping God, and we have done that well also. If there's one thing that Alice modeled for us, it's a life well spent as a life spent serving God. In whatever capacity that would look like, serving in a church, in a school, with your family, with your friends, whatever that looks like, you are serving the Lord. There is no break from that. She lived that, she modeled that, and I pray by God's grace that today more like that would rise up in this room and live our lives in that way also. And the final way we're going to remember and celebrate Alice is by uh, quite literally doing what she has been saying to do for a very long time, eat the cake. Uh, so the family would love to invite everyone to our Family Life Center directly behind us. You can go out either door and head that direction. You'll find it. Uh, there are refreshments and drinks and coffee and cake. And so, listen, I don't care what diet you're on. It's a sin today if you don't eat cake, okay? Like that's God, told, that's true, okay? So the family would love to have you come and just be a part of that, just to come by and say hello and spend a little time together encouraging one another, okay? So I'm going to pray for us. We'll end our time together. Our family will exit first, and then you will be dismissed. Lord, we just, again, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, God, for memories. We thank you, God, for a, a model life, a life well lived. Lord, we just thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that we have an example of living well and finishing well, Lord God. I pray, God, again, that you would stir that up in us, that we would live that life to glorify you in that way. I thank you, God, again, that we never again will offer another prayer for Alice. She doesn't need it anymore. She is healed and healthy and whole like she's never experienced in her entire life, and she is in the presence of Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you that we no longer have to pray for her. But, Lord, I pray for her family and for her friends. I ask you, God, that you would minister, that you would encourage, that you would do what only you can do. That they would literally 
feel your love and your presence, Holy Spirit, as you are ministering to them. I pray, God, you'll bless the rest of our time here today, just spending time with one another. Uh, I pray, God, that you would bless that fellowship, and that will be ministry. That will be healing, Lord, as we just get to encourage and love and be together. I pray, God, that you would do this. Thank you again for this time here today and the fact that you are obviously in our presence and we're glorified in all of it. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you please rise as the family exits? Sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's all right with me Just one look at you And I know Thank you so much. You are dismissed. Yeah.